episode number 40. It only took 40 of these for me to start tearing up while talking into a microphone. Because, uh, you know, hey, a lot of the great music, or a lot of the music that I consider great, uh, draws emotion out of me. And uh, this song is the first one to do it on the podcast. So stay tuned to hear a grown man start tearing up. And at that, it's a ska song. So that doesn't happen too often, right? Hope you enjoy. I've been needing to get some for real reading and writing in since school got over. And it's been almost two weeks of socializing with just these little pockets of like 45 minutes to read here and there. And so I was able to read for like three hours this morning and write for about two and a half. And nice. A bunch of other good stuff going on in my life. So I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Becky actually uh, took. Uh Annalie, Charlie, and Sully to Minnesota for this weekend. So it's just been Brian and I hanging here. How has that been? It's It's been all right. There's been a lot of video games for him and a lot of house chores for me. I stayed back because we just we have that kitchen project going on, and I just had... Last weekend, Becky and I had our um, anniversary weekend where we went out to Chicago. So I couldn't do anything then. And uh, I didn't want to lose like another weekend. And she was cool with it anyway. We didn't have a dog sitter or anything like that. So Brian wanted to hang back. And uh, basically this morning, all I did was more kitchen stuff. Although I did get a chance to um, set up. I, I did get a chance to record a little bit of the album I'm working on with Brian. Oh, really? And I got to tell you, dude, I feel good because I have I haven't been this motivated to just hammer this thing out in probably three months, four months. Oh, wow. It's been a while since I felt this level of motivation just because I was, I've like wrapped my head around doing the kitchen and the house project stuff. Yeah. And now that kind of like it's nearing that end, Brian and I had a conversation. He's only, he only has one song left to do on drums and I have like four songs left to do on guitar, but I've been kind of like, you know, I've just been stalling on some of them. So, uh, dude, this morning, first thing when I woke up, I just, I got in recording mode. I re kind of set up some of the stuff in the studio, although it might not look like it to you. Like I've got all the the stuff like lined up and set up for sure. it. So these next like two to three weeks, I think I'm yeah. just going to, I'm just going to get all, all of it done, dude. Uh, we'll have to kind of figure out the vocal part right now. But uh, uh, as far as guitars, bass, drums, all of the music, I want to try to get all that done over the next two weeks. So I, I feel I feel really, really heavily motivated. Dude, that's awesome, man. I yeah, man. I'm kind of in uh, I'm kind of in that groove right now too. And um, like as I've told you, uh, probably seventy times. Um, I hope to crank out. My, my goal is to crank out two to three short stories. Ideally, three that I feel like would be worthy of master's applications. And I'm going to, uh, one of my professors, the 
guy I'm obsessed with, he actually reached out to meet with me on Thursday. So we're meeting on Thursday to go over some of my stuff. But I mean, I'm going to pay for him to be like professionally edited and stuff by another professor I know and all this stuff. And I have all these plans and like the first two weeks of summer kicked off, man, and I wasn't doing anything and it was really getting to me. So <laughs> I, I took, I told Cameo this morning, I was like, what happened this morning was like amazing. And I just, I need to schedule that into my day or else I'm going to end the summer and I would have had a total of like three weekends where I worked on it. And then, sure. cause dude, I can't, I can't dedicate the time I need to dedicate like while I'm in school. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I do too many things anyways. Um, does, but, does the, the professor that the professor that you're going to have edit it, does he also do that for many other students or for kind of like a side gig or what, how does, how did that work? So out? the professor, so there's one that's working on me with it. And then another one I'm going to approach to actually professionally edit the one that's working on it with me. No, like he, I turned in my honors projects towards the end of the semester with him and uh, he reached out like a week or two later and said, Hey, I'd, I'd really like to get together with you. I, th- I think, th- I think you could use these on your MFAs applications, but you know, I've got, you know, ideas for revision and that's like invaluable. Um, especially cause his book was just released, uh, two weeks ago and, um, like he's had a lot of stuff going on with that. He just had a huge article released in Harper's um, about um, TikTok. Um, okay. They paid for him to go stay in a TikTok mansion. Yeah, yeah, I remember you telling yeah, me. Yeah, he stayed it. there for three days, and his article was finally released the same week his book was released. And his article's like blowing up. He's getting a lot of really buzz about that, which is great. And then his book, you know, he's had book events and stuff, and like uh, the New York Times reviewed it. Oh wow! Yeah, how do you get them to? it's yeah so throw him a lot of money or something no like you have to put yourself like you need to get to a certain level of writing to where they consider it you know and so he's at the point where like he has a publicist and so the publicist has connections but new york the new york times still needs to be like all right like because they they're not going to endorse something that is just like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like kind of garbage um so you yeah you gotta you gotta like bring it so Anyways, saying all that, the fact that that guy reached out and wanted to like meet with me, it's like, dude, it's huge. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's an- very cool. Anyways, but yeah, man, life, uh, yeah, life is good, man. So uh, enough about, um, okay, so hopefully I just talked enough to offset how much, you know, hopefully you're going to share because uh, perfect segue, <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> I want to ask you about Chicago, but I'll ask you about that next episode because we need to get into this. Uh, and I will say, before I let you start off, this has been, I, I don't want to say by far, because it makes the other songs sound like, you know what I mean? They're like, down here, like, I love all the music you've brought to the table. This has been my favorite song so far. Oh, This wow. song really hit me, dude. I did not anticipate that. Oh, dude. I am all. just super pumped to talk about. So, uh, yeah. Who are these folks to you, and, and why'd you bring it to the table? Had, had you heard much Five Iron before this? Not at all. Not at all. No. Okay, so this was your introduction to Five Iron. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Dude, um, so I listened to Five Iron Frenzy as a very young kid um, all the time, man. They're, um, the first time I heard them and how I found out about them was uh, they're on Five Minute Walk Records. There were a couple of other bands that I had listened to at the time that were on Five Minute Walk or that I kind of heard about all around the same time. Rose Blossom Punch, um, Seven Day Jesus. There were a few that were on that Dime Store Profits that were on that label. 
that um, just being in a youth group at a young age, it, you get kind of exposed to that stuff. And so uh, the sampler, um, Take Time to Listen, Volume 2, came out in 1996. And a flowery song and then um, one other track by them uh, – was on that sampler and I just I loved it like I a, la a label awesome. sampler right yeah yeah, yeah. Dude, it's so records. cool when they yeah. do that yeah anyway sorry keep I going. think there were like 16 tracks on it or something That's cool. yeah. and uh, dude it was the cassette I oh. had the cassette <laughs> yes. back then. That's yeah. how I found out about it. And the cassette was, they like had, remember back then, they had like the advertisements on it. It was like 16 songs, only $1.99. It sure. had like that big, you know, like the blast graphic with yeah. 1.99 in it. Yep. Uh, those, those kind of samplers like were just for, for like a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old kid back then, like that was... It was the coolest thing, oh, dude, man. That was rad. Getting your own cassettes and building your library of them and being able to hear those bands. Yeah. So that was my exposure to them. And uh, their first album, Upbeats and Beatdowns, was just awesome, man. I mean, I played it constantly. And and in all honesty, to this day, that album, it, their, this, their second album, our newest album ever, which is what this song, Blue Comb 78, is off of, that came out in 1997, <laughs> like a year later. I didn't even look at that. Yeah, our newest album ever. Our newest ever. album ever. That's, a, that's such a great <laughs> album so name, dude. That's their, uh, that was their second album. And the, these two albums just still hold up to this day for me. They have yeah. a great mixture of, of course, ska, some punk elements. They even throw in, in a couple of spots on a few songs, some metal elements, like break it down. So they do a lot of... A, a lot of uh, the kind of the 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 mid to late '90s ska that was out at that time that was heavily punk influenced. Um, I just feel like they did it so well. In fact, they're by far my favorite ska band. It's here. Here's how what I would say: mm -hmm. Five Iron Frenzy and the OC Supertones. Um, I listen to a lot, and um, I don't think that I would say to this day that I really like ska all that much mm -hmm. if it weren't for Five Iron Frenzy. If Five Iron Frenzy never existed, I would not sit here and, like, I feel because they existed and because, dude, they just released an album um, not even a year ago. It was in 2020. Oh, wow. Um, so very recently, they just released one. I think it's called Until It All Shakes Apart. And I, dude, I, I bought it the day it was released. I follow a couple of the people that are members on Instagram. Yeah, so I like creeped I on the guy on Instagram. And, Seems like and, a cool uh, dude. Yeah, Reese Roper. Yeah. Dude, he's done a few different projects. Brave St. Saturn, he did his own solo thing. And, uh, um, uh, and I'll, I'll t I guess I'll talk a little more about like his personality and his lyrics a little later as we break it down. But, um, dude, I follow, I follow them to this day because it was, uh, I listened to their music so much back then. And uh, again, um, I couldn't say that I don't like ska because of these guys. Yes. Yeah. It is mostly That's because cool. Of them. That's really cool. And like many, many of them, I felt like many ska bands, if they just didn't have the horn section and they had some of the punk behind it, it would actually be better. And Five Iron, completely the opposite of that. These songs are so totally enhanced by the horns that if you just had these as regular rock or punk songs, they, they wouldn't, I mean, they, they, some of them would still be great, in my opinion, but they would not have the kind of personality Dude, no. and, and just excellence that they have. Mm -hmm. And that was such a reverse of all of the other ska, really, that was out there for me. Um, 
so anyway, I, I uh, do. They're from Denver, Colorado. And what's cool is I actually had a chance to go to Denver working at the Harley dealership for one of the uh, dealer shows that was oh, there. Oh, cool, yeah. And where the, um, where the, uh, whatever. Album was recorded? No. Where do you go to meet a bunch of people? Why can't I think of just, just a big, where a big hall or little conference, like where the conference was. Jeez. Oh, okay. The yeah. building that had the conference for the whole Harley Davidson um, gotcha. dealer forum uh, was near the corner of Colfax and Broadway. And in uh, on their first album, Upbeats and Beatdowns, on the second track, Where Zero Meets 15, which was like one of their biggest songs, um, he, he, he says, uh, I don't know what to do at the corner of Colfax and Broadway. Or it's, I, I'm, I might not be saying it verbatim. But um, that line always stuck out because like, if you're not from right, Denver in the right, city, that's, yeah. a, that's just a very topical, like it's part of where they're from. So like, I, I knew before, I knew as soon as it was announced that that dealer show was going to go to Denver, Colorado, and like, I, I just, I had to go to the corner of Colfax and Broadway just because it was in these guys' song. Yeah. So like, there are certain things um, that kind of always just like, um, I guess, stuck with me. And uh, um, a lot of ska, the lyrical content and the mood is quite silly. You know, it's, it's more upbeat, of course. It's very jovial. It can be um, sarcastic in, in a, lot of the, a lot of them. And I don't mind that so much because I don't want to take myself too seriously in a lot of songs. It's not a bad thing. But it also sacrifices a lot of just um, meaning in some of it. So really, it's only good, good for like a good time. And what was very different about Five Iron to me is they had this way of being like uh, silly yet really meaningful simultaneously. Yes. And you you would probably be able to say that in a more poetic way, but uh, that that has gripped me even to this day. Um, you know, they had a live album that came out. I I I think it was maybe ninety nine. It was late nineties, early two thousands. Um. And so a lot of the songs on that were off of their first two albums. And I look, I've listened to all their albums. I'm really only talking about those because that's the time frame of when this song came right. out, right? Yeah. But, um, and also back then when I first heard about them, being a young teenager in a very formative time of my life, um, I was heavily influenced by this. And they, they had this live album that, dude, I'm telling you, for more than a year, I listened to that album to go to sleep every night. Dude, that's awesome. Every night. Like, I just have these memories living in my parents' house, in my bedroom, and then I just turn it on on the CD player. I had the CD at the time. And, uh, dude, I'd, I'd cry almost every night. Just the, They had a way of just hitting me. Wow. And it was just so bizarre that it could be in this really fast, somewhat lighthearted music, but it was so meaningful at just a, a very... Uh, it's, it's such an emotionally weird time of your life being a teenager, of course, right? Dude, that's a rough time. So I clung to that live album and, and uh, their first two albums a lot in that time. And I, I can't to this day, maybe you can help me put words to that kind of silly yet meaningful and why it just gripped me so hard. Yeah. Well, I, it, I think what, I don't know, this, 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 this thought just came to me, um, little bit ago but when you're talking about the ska kind of vibe when it can sound kind of like juvenile and almost like sarcastic and stuff like 
it can put off this like food fight vibe. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, there's yeah. a there's like a food fight in the lunchroom. But it's a great some, great imagery, man. Yeah, but somehow they found a way, and I'm sure other ska bands, you know, or bands that incorporate ska into their music. I don't I don't know how exactly to use the language. They found a way to um, make it more than that and have it. And I mean, for me, that's how you make things timeless. You know, is that it's not like a trend. It's not like just a period. It's, you know, reflective of, you know, the human experience um, in a real way. But yet, yeah, they, they really toe the line. And like my favorite combination is uh, humor and sadness, you know, and... Um, Sounds like a 68 album. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, it sucks because like that's literally <laughs> in humor and sadness. Yeah. And I've been talking to Kevin about that. I'm like, oh, God. Um, but yeah, it's it's... I mean, we'll get into it when we get to the lyrics, but somehow it's like a lamentation and a celebration at the same time. And I have yeah. my um, my take on how they're able to pull it off. But So when you say a lamentation and a celebration at the same time, that is a hell of a lot better way of saying silly yet meaningful. <laughs> so I, I, well, I think, yeah. I think that, that is, uh, that's way more accurate. And... Uh, it is. It's like a lamentation and a celebration. And I, I think Reese Roper, the the vocalist, um, I I I just there were other bands that had kind of just this silly front man that was you know basically being like a, um, you know doing physical comedy up on stage. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. There were other bands that had it, but. Uh, I could, I really could palette only palette his. Yeah, Wait, well, yeah. I shouldn't say only. There, there were just. I, I have a lot of memories of being young and seeing different music videos and seeing other live shows, and it just didn't have the. Um, it didn't. It didn't translate. It yeah. just didn't work. Yeah. But man, Reese Roper and the whole vibe of all of them, and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of members in this band, and so like there was just something about it that really struck me in that. Um, not not only could I stomach it, but I craved it. And uh, um, and he has other albums that you, you get a chance to kind of hear him flex a little bit of his lyrical prowess, to use a term that you've used in the past. And I don't, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't put him at the t top of the heap or anything of like writing these unbelievable lyrics. But there's a depth to to the lyrics, and there's a hurt in in his past. Um, and and you get a chance to see that. And I think like many stand up comedians most of where that comes from is a hurtful past and and a, a this ultimate desire to have people you know pay attention to them and look at them and many stand up comedians will just kind of say that i mean part of them getting up there a lot a lot of stand up comedians don't want to um they're actually quite antisocial. They don't want to be around big groups or whatever, mm -hmm. yet they can get up in front of a mic and talk to thousands of people, yeah. be entirely comfortable up there because there's the the pain and the hurt of the past is what's coming out in all of that. Yeah, oh yeah. And and the pain and the hurt of the past doesn't come out when you're in big groups of people and having parties. Yeah. So it's an entirely different dynamic, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that Reese Roper has a bit of that blood in him that like I think his pain and hurt comes out in all of this. And I think that's why I feel it. And a lot of other bands that would have a front man that's just kind of goofy, it was, it was, they were just, they were just that. They were just goofy. But yeah. the pain wasn't there. And I think that was super attractive to me. Yeah, I love that. And I think, 
I, I think a binding element to that is is sincerity. I think there is an element of sincerity in his lyrics and in their work. And um, uh, just a quick um, synopsis of uh, uh, literary genres. I learned in a, in a really great class last year. It was called Pro Stylistics, and we went through um, you know general trends and changes in um, uh, prose. And the postmodernists, which were around, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, they were really interested in kind of um, breaking down traditional narrative structures, right? But one way they did it was by, like, humor and jest. Jest became, like, a huge thing, you know, and sarcasm and in a very, like, witty way, right? And so it was just kind of like a, there was just, like, this rebellious nature to kind of, like, tear everything down, right? Um I'm not going to be able to do this justice, but for the purposes of what I'm saying, um, I'll just accelerate and say, after that came a movement called the New Sincerity Writers. And the New Sincerity Writers like wanted to restore this notion of sincerity because like, if jest and humor and sarcasm is like all you have, then like, what is that even for? <laughs> you know, what is it? It's great, but it's momentary, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's momentary. It doesn't transcend... Um, uh, and so I think there's a transcendence in this work that's gorgeous. That's, yeah, that's well put. And I, I <clears throat> when you kind of know some of the members of the band and who they are and kind of what, what's important to them, and I only get snapshots like you would of anybody that's basically a celebrity to you that you have no personal relationship, right? I only get snapshots. However, um, I, I know obviously in my past growing up in a youth group and, and being very, very heavily involved in, in, uh, in a church, um, they, they of course were as well. And so throughout their albums, they have elements of, of Christianity within them, uh, some praise and, and some more, um, kind of self-defeating and, and kind of putting themselves lower in, 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 and seeking better. And uh, um, I saw, dude, I saw eye to eye with that, of course, with what I was growing up in. And, and uh, um, even to this day, uh, I think her name is Lenore, um, the saxophonist. Uh, she, her and, and I think a maybe a couple of the other members of the band, again, I only get snapshots like seeing things on Instagram. And so I apologize if this isn't fully accurate, but I'm trying to kind of maybe speak to their character and why I, I hold, hold them in high esteem because they're, they have this, uh, they hold this kind of, um, I don't know if it's quite a homeless shelter or if it's more or less like a DIY church. Uh, for like dirt bags is kind of like That's what awesome. they, they have. They're actually doing what true religion is. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're giving back to the community, yeah. trying to help the homeless, do, doing those kinds of things. So they're not just people getting together to dress nice and, and sing some songs and have this false like image about them. And yet they're saying doing they're some real community they're, they're actually work. doing some stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so I have, a, I have an appreciation for that because yeah. they're trying to live out part of what they're, they're, and, but they're not, they're not these super churchy, 
you know, religious, you can't stomach people at all. I got that vibe all. from them. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're very, yeah. And that's, very down I love to earth that. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. They're man. just real people. And, yeah. and, uh, and I think over time, obviously the older you get, the more mature you get, the wiser you get, the more life experience you get. Some of that kind of comes out. And I think in all honesty, man, I mean, these of, of most of the bands that I could put out there, this is one of those that's like, I kind of wish I really did know the, re- the people in this. Band. Sure. Because I think they would be some of the most down to earth. Yeah, um, personable people that um, that you could talk, you know, you yeah. have real talk with, you yeah. know, and uh, uh, so I, I have that kind of respect for them as well. There's that that layer of it that I genuinely know um, from those snapshots that they're yeah. pretty rad. Well, dude, you want to start out by um, breaking down the music for us? Yeah, yeah, dude. Okay, so again. Upbeats and Beatdowns and our newest album ever, both of those albums um, coming along in formative years of my life. Like, I, there's not a bad song on both of those albums. Mm-hmm. And so I knew when I was going to pick a Five Iron song, even though I've listened to all of their albums up until the most recent one, that I had to pick something from both of those. And so that's kind of what I towed the line on, on which one I wanted to break down. And ultimately, I, I picked... Blue Comb 78, one, because when I first heard this song, this song comes after this really super silly, like, I don't even know how many seconds it is. It's less than a minute, like, just thing that Reese Roper's doing, and it's just kind of, it's just, it's, it's funny, and it's not even like a real song kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden, the hi-hat, the kick, and the bass come in on this, and it just sets this mood that makes you go, oh shit, dude! These guys aren't just these silly. What like it? It was. It just. It hit. It hit me, and I remember it hitting me from day one. Wow! Like, dude, this is just good. This is really good right here. And uh, the funny thing is, is it goes to that whole like, you know, there's nothing about it that you have to be this phenomenal musician. Although I would tell you, dude, the guitarist and the bassist for this band are very good. There are many things that they do, like fast lick guitar parts and things that like they definitely know. And the bassist knows how to write a bass line. And unfortunately, this song doesn't really showcase that, but the bassist knows how to write a bass line. So what makes that even cooler is when they can just lay off and just give you the vibe Mm. that there's something special about that. And dude, sometimes, like I said, it's just about the beat and the progression, man. Sometimes it's just about that. And when it hits you, it hits you. It doesn't have to be anything crazy out there. And so um, I felt like the lyrical content within this, the story that's told, um, how much the music hit me. And then like, I, I, I would, I'm telling you, dude, it's gotta be 80% of the times that I've heard this song. And I've heard this song hundreds of times. If not, I mean, this would be one of those songs that could creep into, like, I've heard it over a thousand. I mean, legitimately, I could have with how long I've been listening to these guys. But it's definitely in the hundreds. Um, I would say probably 80% of the time I get, I, like, choke up Mm. on the bridge of this song. And, like, I have to hold back going there with tears. And that's a significant amount of times because, like, to this day, dude, 
from when I told you I want to do this song and then I listened to it on the way to work, I had to take a beat before walking into work. So I was crossing the railroad tracks, which is right by us, and the song was just finishing up. And I like I had to take a beat when I got in the car to just kind of like let let the emotions come down a yes. little bit. So even to this day, it's just like there's something about that. And so although there are other songs that I think could showcase some really great horn sections and really great bass lines and 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 cool stuff like that even a couple of like metal style breakdown things that are really cool um this one just gets me so hard and so uh a, a good chunk of that is just how this song opens up it really grabs your attention i'm mm, uh, yeah. I, i'm a i'm a i'm a sucker for like a fast hi-hat beat mm-hmm. with yeah. a with a slow you know kick snare pattern or um or you know like a real halftime feel with that quick hi-hat beat mm-hmm. um i'm such a sucker for that the and hi-hat's so clean in it too. it is dude and, and having that kind of fast up-tempo hi-hat but then like the halftime feel on the kick and the the snare is uh um i, I don't know man it, it it and then dude when when the when the punk feel comes in and the drums just get quick and then the horn section comes in it is kind of a perfect showcase for me that like I think you could hear this song, if you took the horns out, you could hear a punk band doing this song, and it would translate very well, and it would still be rad. But those horns, this is an example of what I mean by, like, they find a way to just totally enhance the song. And the song is made much better, or I, I can't say much better, but it is definitely elevated because of the horns. Yeah, And oh, I, th- yeah. I think this song is a good showcase of that. Yeah, I mean, the, the horns really give it, like, this feeling of ascension. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, because it's and not it, like a normal ska sound either. Obviously, yeah. it's in the ska genre, but it's not your normal like, um, you know, off offbeat, chinky guitar horn section kind of thing. So it doesn't fit totally the mold of ska, although it's very clearly ska. The, and the horns are like, okay, I just made this up on the spot. All right, so we may <laughs> crash and burn, but it it kind of makes makes me think of. When you meet someone, when you meet people that you have a close relationship with and when you're like introducing like a friend to them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, and you're connecting, right? If I brought someone new in here, like you would want to get to know them and stuff, but there would be times where you and I would be connecting. It's like a friend having something to really offer the conversation, but not just trying to like dominate and stuff, like coming in in a very like natural way, kind of reading the room. But like adding yeah. to the conversation and just kind of bounce out. That's how I feel like every time the horns come in, it's almost like I'm left wanting more. But then I'm like, oh, but I think that was good. You know, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that was the right amount. Um, I think my metaphor sucked, but um, <laughs> I, I, I really now uh, closer examination. But the when it comes to the the music, the way I, I I wrote in my notes, the way the song begins, it has that epic introduction that I believe great bands save for like zingers like this one. Okay. You know, I don't feel, I I don't know their their musical library, so maybe they start songs like this often, but I don't know. It's no, just, that not like it, this. It seemed very special. It oh, seemed yeah. very special across all of across all of their albums. This song is very different in how it starts, for sure. Yeah, it um it kind of reminisced not the style or anything, but how I felt the first time I heard um, "Only in Dreams" from Weezer's uh, the Blue album. Oh, okay. When you hear kind of that heavy bass come in, and mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, there's something really reflective about that. But um, yeah, I'm just going to give like one or two things about the music. Yeah, and then why, cool. don't, why don't you, you segue from your, because I, 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 
I could get into the bridge. Like we've kind of talked about the beginning yeah, and then yeah. kind of the, 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 uh, faster punks part. And then the bridge to me is something incredibly special. Yeah. And we can kind of almost segment that along with discussing the lyrics a little bit, if you want. So that's why don't you talk about music stuff and then segue right in? Yeah. All right. That's perfect. Um, with the music. So I can't get enough of the, like, this is my best way of describing it. Uh, the rolling kind of effect of the drums toward the end of the chorus when he's singing, have you seen my comb? I don't know. The, yeah. the, the drums are just kind of doing this like fill. I don't know what they're doing, but it's like, it's almost like wrapping up the part and getting ready for the next. And, and, um, but you know, I do like the, the progressive guitar line that seems to serve as the bridge and introduces the narrators, like talk singing section, the vocalists, and then how the guitar like picks up during that part is just, I don't know, it's just great. But um, so I'll say this about the music that I'll, I'll segue into the lyrics is his voice. So obviously, you know, the, the tone in, so he, he obviously has like a playful nature to how he manipulates his singing. At times it gets like a little wacky, but contained which channels this sort of childlike remembrance of something one keeps dear to their heart, especially the way he bellows, um, get it, when he's concluding um, the part about never going back to get the comb. Um, and so I'll just go right into the lyrics. And for me, one of the most elegant parts of this song is it's, uh, it's you know, I think it's a romance song uh, between, you know, a man and his boyhood, his youth. Um, which is always just uh, endearing if, if if done well. And the use of imagery is the largest achievement of this song. I, I firmly, firmly believe that. Um, and it's it's funny because he actually provides some aid that I doesn't even need to be there. But um, like, for example... I understand why he didn't, because songwriting culture is different than most literary cultures. It's not assumed that the listener will be searching for embedded themes, etc. So explicitly making known the reference may be helpful sometimes. Because the line, out that window, was the last great symbol of my youth. By that point, I already know like it's the great, and you probably do too. Yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? But I think I, I'm okay with that, because I think it's helpful, because... Not everyone should have like a trained mind as like you know oh what what's what are the thematic principles here I, I think it's helpful, um, but the the imagery it's just so great and I've talked about this on you know who knows how many podcasts you can you can hit the heart you can create your um, emotional impact on the listener far greater with imagery than you can with you know exposition or you know in the writing world it'd be exposition but it's just more like you know. Um, you know, your own personal, you know, subjective opinions, you know, your own opinions, talking about your childhood. If someone's talking about their childhood to you and I, and they're like telling us what they went through and stuff, it's just kind of hard to translate. We don't know how they felt, you know, we're trying to keep up and mm -hmm. everything. But when you give us like a story that has images and everything, um, we're able to interact with it a lot more. Like yeah. I, I can think of myself in the backseat of this car and like this comb that's super important to me. And like, you know, what happens, like I'm able to interact. And so, um, the, the one thing I'll say about, I, cause there's so much I want to say, I'm already kind of like, there's like seven different channels. My mind wants to go. So, uh, I'll end it with this. I love the rhetorical nature of the question. Have you seen my comb? Because not only does he know the answer, but it's something that we still question. 
Like, I know my past is what it is. It is past. But we still search for ways to nostalgically experience our past in the present. So in essence, I don't think there's a hard answer as to has anyone seen his comb. I think in many ways the narrator is able to re-experience his blue comb. Um, and I suppose the divine comedy here is he is reliving this blue comb through the act of storytelling and musical expression. So although this song is a lamentation in ways, it duly celebrates the preservation of youth through memory. And so that's why I think is just brilliant through this song is like he's he's experiencing that feeling, you know, yeah. that he's missing. And the 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 horns really send that. Um but I could go on about like the imagery and using like the objective correlative, but it just yeah, something being thrown out a window and you're literally driving and the father saying we can't go back, like He's just nailing it on all all the yeah, themes. Man, there, he's just nailing it. There's a lot. There's a lot tearing at. Yeah, the pining, just the pining for your youth and to go back to that and and to find that comb. That like, dude, I'm, I'm getting chills. Like, legitimately getting chills here listening to you kind of um, explain some of that. I I think um, the the. Well, let me just, I'll start, I'm trying, I have a segue from what you're kind of talking about, but it like, I'll get into it a little bit, I guess. I want to start kind of from the top of the lyrics um, before I get kind of into the meat, because it's going to be hard to go back. Um, just a couple of notes that I want to put in. First of all, the way the melody is when he says summer of 1978, my sister and I in the backseat just wait. Um that melody line over the top of the music almost instantly, um, one, I don't want to pay attention to anything else on the planet except for what is about to happen. Like what is about the story that's about to be told. It is incredibly gripping to oh, me. Oh, that's awesome. Right from the beginning. That's great. And so even without you. context or anything, mm. there's this just opening with that, um, there's a story to be told, and you know it within those first two lines. And many songs don't tell a story. You know, I mean, they just don't. No. And so it's it's uh, it's incredibly like, but ones that do are incredibly interesting, especially if they can tell them well, because it's it's really hard for one to write a good melody, and then two lyrics that you know rhyme and are somewhat cohesive. So when you can tell a story and you're rhyming and you've got a great melody. It ain't easy, man. And and yeah. it that's part of the brilliance behind this. And so um I love the imagery of uh we pass the time by making lines in the seat that we can't cross, a thin line like dental floss. Yeah, oh, I like yeah. that kind Dude, of rhyme and I love the great line. The the um the the use of the, I don't know, just the I that whole I would never, ever, ever have dental floss as a lyric in one of my songs and how he could have dental floss as a lyric in a song and have it be almost pulling tears out of me is asinine. That is just psychotic. Um, and then it gets into, you know, she threw the, the new blue comb out the window and he had got that comb just that morning from his mom and dad. Um, when, when uh, he says later, 
I also like how he puts in there. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't brown. But now it might be from lying on the ground. It's kind of a uh, of just a cool little. I don't know. Yeah, There's something it's a, it's about it nice just makes me. It makes me like. Yeah, it it kind of makes me smile a little bit. Uh, w- what that is. But then, okay, so you you just kind of know what happened here was they're in the car. His sister was kind of an asshole and chucked his comb out the window when they're super young. You know, they're probably five, six years old, whatever it is. And his parents had given him that comb. And, dude, I think of this Brian Regan joke. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Brian Regan. You know my memory. But he talks about, like, uh, kids with balloons. And when you're a kid and you have a balloon, and the balloon goes, and the kid's like, oh, my balloon, it's gone. And then, you're like, as a parent, you're like, dude, we'll just get you another balloon. They're like, but I, I want that balloon. He's like, just compare it to, like, your wallet. You have a wallet, and if your wallet goes, you'd be like, dude, where's my wallet? So you could be like, oh, dude, we'll just get you another wallet. No, 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 I need my wallet. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that, that kind of uh, uh, just putting that in. So this comb that, that he has as a little kid, it's not just being able to go get another one for $2 down at the gas station or, or wherever. This, this comb is something different. He got it from his mom and his dad at a very, very, very young age. And those kinds of things, there's more meaning behind that to a five or six-year-old than the actual, you know, dollar value on it. And so I think it's actually just a really great um, item, a, a comb that has a distinct color that's plastic and, and probably dirt cheap is an incredibly good thing to, to, to um, uh, be, be the object of his youth. Like that's just a, it's just what a cool, it's, it's cheap, it's replaceable, yet it's not. Mm-hmm. And so then when the when the lyrics turn into kind of there's depth behind this incident that just happened is in the bridge when the music shifts and so when those toms come in on the bridge dude um and the and the guitars are just oh, beating the cord, they're just banging the chord all right so i'm going to kind of go with the bridge being my favorite moment of the song. I'm going to say one thing real yeah, quick ahead. and hand it back off. Yeah. Also the thing about the comb with all, you know, everything that you're explaining, he did not explain all the importance like of the comb to him. He's explaining it through continuing the story. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah, is yeah. brilliant because everything that you just said is implicated in it. It and is. is embodied in these lyrics, but he doesn't have time to say all that. But the fact that you and I can get that from that and feel it so strongly means that he pulled off, telling that story by just using imagery. Very yeah, and yeah. very simply. And and knowing the whole story though after the song's over. Yeah. Yeah. What I like though is at your first listen for this, if you're really paying attention and if you're almost watching the film of it in your mind when it's going by, right? Yeah, it's very filmic. You don't know why he's telling this story yet. Mm-hmm, but sure. when you begin to know is when the music shifts and it becomes very there's a there's depth in it, and you're yeah. like, okay, they want me to stop and pay attention right now because I'm about to know the meaning behind what just happened. Perfect segue, yeah, into the bridge, yeah. So, best moment of the song, minute forty four, the entire effing bridge, um, the fast beat on the toms, the guitar chords just ringing out. Oh, so good, dude. Then the octave guitar comes in, and it's just banging one octave. I mean, he's just riding that thing while the chords are changing underneath. Um, the the guitar in the left speaker starts palm muting the strings, and then he runs it up the fretboard. He does this really like quick, um, almost like a western old west kind of style, like just runs it right up. 
and then it drops out and that's when the vocals come in with the lyrics. Then it's, it's just drums, tambourine, and bass when the vocals come in. Um, and uh, his lines, driving down the road in September. So he, I think right now what he's, what he's doing, he was telling you story, the story of what happened with his sister. Now he's telling you the meaning behind it. So we were driving down the road in September. I was only five, but I still remember where the highway turns at the bottom of the hill. <clears throat> My parents both up front because they loved each other still. Jeez, dude. I like, I'm, I'm like, like just the, the meaning behind that. I didn't expect to like actually have a hard time while I'm talking about it. Jeez. That's beautiful, man. But uh, um, there's something about that. Um, God, this is stupid. Dude, I've known you for a long time, and I don't think we've ever cried in front of each other, but we've talked about crying a lot, because yeah. we are very emotional beings, you know, and I think that's beautiful. It clearly, yeah, has significance to you in your life, so. Um, Dude, well, I think, <clears throat> sorry, man, it's, it's kind of, um, I think because the song was so, you know, the, really the band was so influential at a time in my life, there's a lot of pain and hurt from being that emotional teenager that these guys helped me through. And so there's some of that, but then there's also like, you know, I didn't really know my birth mother. And so I, my, my parents uh, got divorced at a very, when I was very young, um, I was maybe three or four. And I remember my, um, I remember my mom, uh, my birth mother. I mean, I have memories of being with her separate from my dad. Mm. My dad, um, my dad had basically, um, custody of us of us kids, and then I would see my birth mom every uh, couple of weeks on the weekends or something like that while we lived in Utah. And so, uh, dude, I don't have any memories of my parents being both up front loving each other still. Like, I don't, I don't have those memories um, as a very little child, but, like, thinking about a child that has that memory, there's something about it that probably draws from my own past mm. that that kind of, you know, brings that up, I guess. And so, like, to be pining for that comb that's the last great symbol of his youth. What's cool about the song is that it doesn't resolve into like, oh, hey, but everything's going to be okay. We're going to push through. We're going to make it. Let's all get together and like, we're going to make this, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? There's not this like cheesy, oh, but everything's going to be all right and whatever. Right. The song is simply about like this the la being the last great symbol of his youth, there's a there's a hurt and a pain in that that they leave you with, and uh, um, what a dumb thing for me to actually like tear up just talking about the lyrics. But that's what happens when I hear this song, dude. There's something about it, and it's probably a piece of my own past at around the same you know being a very very little kid, three four years old, and uh, I just kind of I kind of feel that, and and for some maybe something happened to Reese that was similar to that, that would drive him to kind of put his own, I don't know, because uh, uh, he could be taking a narrator role and just like wanting to tell the story of somebody that this could have happened to. And it kind of almost very closely parallels my, that time of my life. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, I, 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 part of it too now as a father, I think of my own kids and I think that's ultimately what starts to pull at me now is if I were to think about my own kids, like Sully not having Becky and I together, you know, there, that starts to pull at me as well. And so you kind of feel that love as a father, mm. 
for a kid that would have felt that back then. And now, you know, they're, they're older and they remembered when their parents loved each other and they just kind of want to go back to a time that was simpler, that was uh, more lighthearted, that there wasn't, you know, there wasn't that pain. And so what a, just a brilliant way to kind of put it into this plastic comb that has really no material value yet has the most value because of the time. Yeah. That it, that it, you know. And I will call foul, sir, on you calling it dumb because I think, I mean, dude, you're fucking talking about your birth mother, you know, and we don't need to get, you know, I'm not trying to rip your heart apart even more on the microphone, even though I'm tempted to. Um, but I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll be able to go there anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying good. to die with, inside right now. I've dealt with a lot of it, but that's what's cool about these about lyrics and songs is that you can you can kind of although I feel like I've dealt with all of that um, sincerely, it's like uh, it songs are are a place for the extremes for you to go back and experience some of those things, even if just for a moment, you know? Yeah. And I think what I heard you talking about too, is this song gave you the opportunity to, you know, perhaps, and perhaps even unknowingly, you know, kind of mourn the, the, the loss in the fact that you didn't have your birth mother in your life, you know? Um, and those are things that it's not, I think when we get used to, you know, like I come from a divorced family and I get used to the narratives of like, that's just the way it was always going to be, you know? But then when you get older, you know, I, it's different than having regret. It's just being able to acknowledge, like, it didn't have to be like that. <laughs> you know, my father could have, um, you know, I, I don't know, like found recovery or something and was able to get some of his issues in check and find some therapy and, you know, work things out, whatever, you know, but I don't live it as in this, like that should have happened or that could, you know, the woulda, shoulda, coulda doesn't like haunt me. But the notion of these things is just kind of sad sometimes when we think about it, but even more so what I heard from you is that connectedness to, um, you know, other people and you feel like a collective pain because you like mourn for other people that that happens to. That's what I heard you say. Just like the possibility of that happening to someone is devastating, you know, mm -hmm. and Cameo and I do, we experience that all the time. Like there's times where we go into like the grocery store or like a gas station, like on the road trip, we went to the gas station and like, we had an experience. Um, dude, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I had an experience with like a gas station clerk or something. And I fucking like cried when I got in the car. Cause I just felt devastated. For yeah. Them. You could just see the despair in their eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't like leaving situations like that feeling entirely unplugged. I like to feel somewhat connected and just to know, just to acknowledge, hey, this person is there and they have that pain and that's like real, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't like to feel entirely detached. Like, well, that's their shit. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and so that's sure. kind of what I heard, you know, with you. And I think that's gorgeous. But yeah. And dude, like that reaction right there and what we're talking about is such a testament such a testament. And that's why, man, uh, topics about youth, if it can be pulled off well, I mean, it just hits like us adults. I mean, that's kind of what we do throughout the day is we're having to reckon with adult responsibilities, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and I'm saying that I like the word reckon Yeah, <laughs> without any, you know, I don't have a hundredth of the responsibilities you have. Um, but if you can just kind of get peeled away from, you know, all the adulting that you have to do and kind of, you know, transported back into that time, there's something really special about that. Yeah. 
Well, dude, I think I think everybody pines for their youth a bit, you know. Um, although I wouldn't want to go back to being a teenager, I think the um, the the sense of wonder and lack of responsibilities and a little bit of the romanticizing um, that comes along with nostalgia. Yeah, oh, that yeah. that feeling. I think everybody kind of likes to feel that, oh, and yeah. uh, this song definitely helps me helps me feel that. And you know, my my dad got remarried while I was still very young, and 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 I had a mother figure in my life. I I, I had a mother in my life, and so I I have I've had it way better than many 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 other people, and so I almost feel bad like tearing up, putting myself in that position. But some of it is also just the thought of even my own kids or 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 a kid having that experience like just for whatever reason the way that these lyrics are written um it just does me in dude it yeah. just does me in and so um start I, i'll try to i'll try to kind of just wrap up my my you know final thoughts so of course my favorite lyric is the you know where the highway turns at the bottom of the hill my parents both up front because they loved each other still i just think the power in that um Pro proof proof here it, it it makes me tear up and i i get it in the feels um mm. almost every time that i that i hear that um and and uh dude i i want to say okay i have a little bit of a nerd level detail um in this song i'm, I'm kind of interested in this because to be honest with you i really only listen to this music through amazon music i i have um you know what I should do? I have this album. I still have the CD, and I actually have the CD ripped to media files on my computer. Oh yeah! But I don't have it like on my phone. Mm -hmm. So when I want to listen to this album, I'll just listen to it on Amazon Music. Mm -hmm. I should go back and listen to the album because I'm kind of interested. So, Auto Tune, the ability to Auto Tune, it came out in 1997. Okay. Someone did a little research. Yeah, 1997 is when Auto Tune came out. And uh, that song, is it Believe or Believer or Believe, whatever it is by Cher, that was like the big hit first kind of thing that came out with Auto-Tune and Cher, it just like blew up. Oh, yeah. Do you believe in life you, after love so you, is, I, is the line. It might yeah, just be, I think it's it called Believe. Be called, yeah. But that's, yeah. Okay. So that like, that was the... That I believe it was the first song with auto tune. It was certainly the first one that, that was makes like sense. Everybody now that I think about it. that song, I can hear the auto tune in it oh, right now. Absolutely, and it was it was a game changer. Like people heard that, like okay, and you were either totally turned off, or like some people were like, "This is the future." Yeah, right? like T nine year old T Pain was in his room, yeah. and he's like, "Dude, in ten years, <laughs> I'm gonna fuck this industry up." All right, anyways. Sorry, so, um, what's interesting in this song is there are moments throughout this album and on this song that you can hear auto-tune pulling on his voice. And, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's, okay. it's really, there are a couple of spots, if you want to hear it, um, where he, at, at one minute and nine seconds, where he said, I got it just that morning from my mom and my dad. When he goes up to my mom and my dad, mm -hmm. it's really pulling on his oh, voice. Oh, really? Okay, I'm going to check that out now. What's interesting is this album came out, came out in November of 1997. And so it came out at the end of the year that auto tune came out, and I kind of wonder. I want to go back How and they listen. Have access to that. Well, yeah. I see that. That's what's funny about it to yeah. me is, I, I, it, it, I mean, it must have been available at some level. These guys were distributed by Warner Brothers Records, 
through this album was distributed by Warner Brothers Records. I believe that's sure. who it, who was it. But that doesn't mean that they had access to all the yeah. tools and the tricks and whatever. And so I want to go back and actually listen to the album, like the original CD, and maybe there was a chance that it got remixed. Oh, I see later what you're saying. I maybe. see what you're saying. Okay. I don't know. I I, yeah. I want to actually. Typically, they say that though, like if it's been remixed or remastered or whatever, yeah, yeah. it'll typically it'll have that. that in parentheses, mm -hmm. and this one doesn't. And so it would be super interesting if they. Uh, um, if they actually like, if it came out on the album, I'll have to go back and listen and uh, had access to that. It's definitely on there. There is pitch correction on his voice, and you can clearly hear it in a minute nine. You can hear it in other other sections of it too, if if you train your ear to listen for that. And I just thought that was uh, that was kind of interesting because um, you know what's funny is I didn't really even notice that it was pulling on his voice until maybe about a year ago or something when I, when I like, I just kind of caught it. That's funny. So for most of my life, like in dude, back then when in the, in the late nineties, I wasn't listening for that. So you'd never, I mean, yeah, even right. like you're saying you didn't even really recognize no, it. No, definitely. Um, not. so I just kind of start, but I can hear it pull on so many vocalists now because I use the tool when I'm, when I'm recording. But uh, anyway, a little bit of a nerd level detail. This album has it the same year it came out, and it was near the end of the year. It's kind of cool. Um, so hey, before going into life application, what do you got for favorite musical elements, moments, lyrics, all that fun stuff? The lyrics, it's so tell me, have you seen my comb? Love, love what that qu question represents. And yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a little harder to pull off questions. Um, in literature because it is kind of like this sacred thing um because in literature if you are it depends what um what pov you're using but if you're using third person you know especially like there's like third person close right which is closer to the character um and then there's kind of like third person remove like completely omniscient like and it's really interesting i love like i studied it and it's really interesting to study like the different you know degrees of third person you know um but if you're using third person and you interrupt it by asking a question to the you know the reader it's just kind of hard to pull it off really well um but here he's first person right and I just like it because, you know, first person's, you know, more capable to ask questions, but here he's kind of like telling it as it's in the story, but he's also asking like the listener and I don't know, there's just this really beautiful interactive like nature with that. And so, and the way he's singing it and stuff and what's going on with the music at the time. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man, honestly, musical element, I would just say the beginning. Like the way yeah. this song starts, I mean the bridge, of course, but just to add something to the conversation. Well, no, my, my favorite musical element, I just put "Kick and Hi Hat" in the beginning, dude. So yeah, it's the it's the way that. it starts. I'm yeah. like, when we first, when you were like, "Hey, man, I want to," it was funny too because like I was feeling really stoked on it, and you know that I'm a relatively, you know, positive person that likes affirming people, you know, and mm -hmm. that can work against me. Because sometimes I feel like when I compliment people, they're like, yeah, fucking, you complimented me last week. You <laughs> piss off, you know? So it's like I'm trying to, like, save that kind of nature. But when you played this, I was like, dude, this is, like, I'm feeling this right now. And when I listened to it at home, man, I got, like, yeah, it was just, yeah, great. So, yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad it's kind of validating then because there's a part of me that, like, I oh, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell if there was 
I mean, you got to understand, I was I was 13 years old in 1996. So I was 14 when this album came out. Yeah. So that kind of history and that kind of time in, in my life when it would come, I, I, I didn't know if there was a part of me that it's just like, you have to be tied. You, you would have had to hear this at that time, that critical time in your yeah. life to enjoy it. So it's a little bit validating that like, maybe I'm, I'm not just, I just kind of wondered how... Mm-hmm silly it was that I loved this so much. <laughs> yeah. No, this is, I mean... I didn't think it was, but, you know. I mean, stylistically, too, I mean, when it comes from, like, a writing perspective, stylistically, like, I mean, this is kind of one of those topics that can really hit the sweet spot, is is, yeah. is talking about childhood through imagery, but doing it in like kind of, like, a fun... You know, because if this, if this song was... I mean, that's another thing that makes this song brilliant is because of the nature of the horns, because of the nature of his kind of like wacky but contained, you know, voice and stuff like that, it gives it an edge. Like if this was just a, um, you know, kind of, you know, I mean, if it wasn't a celebration, if it was just a lament, you know what I mean? It it would really lose you, you know? But there's like a sense of, there's a sense of hope in the sense that we're allowed to just be sad about it. But also like tap into it, yeah. you know, because it's not this forced resolve. Isn't isn't it's that the, kind of isn't that kind of when you think about romanticizing those like nostalgia and like thinking going back, it is that mixture of lamentation and celebration. Yeah. Of wanting to go back to youth, but there's some sorrow in it. And part of that sorrow is who you are today and some of the things that when you were so young it affected it. And man, they just nail the way, th- how nostalgia feels is how this song is. There's just this deep brilliance in this song, something about it that, that it just defines my relationship with romanticizing that nostalgic feeling. They just sum it up, dude. dude. Musically and lyrically, yeah. I'm going to say something that, I don't know, might make me emotional, but I okay. just thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. Fucking A, man. Um, they... You just made me think of something because when we go back, that period in our life is gone, but that person isn't necessarily gone. Like there's still parts of that person in us. And that's what I think can be so powerfully reflective when we have nostalgic moments is, man, there's still like parts of that boy on a snowboard 12 years old in Alaska that like, you know, I always, I think my spirit will always kind of be there. Yeah. you know, but I carry it with me, you know? And so there's a sadness to that, but also, you know, it's just a joy to be able to access that, you know? And so I don't know, like the way he's singing, like, that's why the brilliance in like, have you seen my comb? Mm-hmm. It's like, he's still asking the question, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, man, they, they did it. They did it. So I'll, I'll just, I, I, because I've said some of this stuff and what I've done before, I'll just read what I put for my life application. Um, uh, just, just so I can put it out there. Um, somehow they capture a moment that pulls tears out of me with very simple lyrics. Um, the story he tells has a deep meaning that I can't shake potentially from my own parents divorce. Although I've never directly remembered a time where they both were together. Um, I think just the emotion of a child losing the thing they loved that was a token of a happy time in their life for a happy family. Um, his yearning for that comb is deeper than the plastic it's made of. I just can't shake how sad it makes me feel, although it's so simple. So it's just super, super special, man. 
but hey, I I really appreciate you. Um, I guess it's weird to say I appreciate you. I'm I'm happy that this song did it for you. I yeah. am. Yeah, I really am. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's very cool, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for entertaining me on it. Yeah, thanks, dude. <laughs>